Hello and welcome to the First Hand Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we are back with another great episode. We've been doing a lot of 2023 NFL draft prospects, so we decided to mix it up and go back to the coaching ranks. So we're joined today by Catholic University offensive line coach Brandon Beach. Brandon, how are we doing today, man? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good about yourself. I am doing well, man. You know, it's it's Sunday. I just got done watching the inferior football, you know, Congrats to Argentina, but let's get back to the good football, the real football. Um, any of our international listeners, I'm very sorry I said that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm really excited to have you on, man. You know, you yourself have an incredible journey, and your university has maybe the most unique journey I've ever heard of from a D3 school. So I'm excited to dive into all that. And I want to start with you personally. You know, you played the game of football at the college level. You're now a college coach for multiple years. But you and I were talking, and football was not something you fell in love with at the age of eight and played your whole life. So tell me, how did you come to the game of football? So um, originally, I was originally a basketball player, like played basketball. I played a little bit of football, but I didn't play it like full wholeheartedly and fell in love with it. Um, playing basketball all the way through high school, you know, I thought I was going to go to college like everybody else think I'm going to go to college and play basketball in college. So in actuality, I played football my senior year just only to get tougher for basketball because I knew the position that I was playing. So I was like, okay, I got to get tough for basketball. So let me play football. And when I played football that year, I had some opportunities that I didn't expect to get. Like I played receiver, Played, played safety, played D-line. Actually, that's the crazy part. You know, opportunities I got and was at receiver. Like, I didn't get opportunities at D-line at first. Like, it was all receiver-wise. Um, I ended up signing a scholarship offer with Winston State um, when they were in the MEAC at the time frame. Um, grades just wasn't good enough. So I ended up deciding to take the path of going to junior college and played at Butler Community College. <laughs> that's the one that's won a lot of national championships uh, and, you know, started playing there for, like, you know, I got redshirted that year and decided, I was like, okay, well, let me get continue to try to get better. And while in the process of trying to get better, I started really, really loving the game even more at Butler. You know what I'm saying? Like, because of the opportunities that I had from Coach Morrell and Coach Schaff, my D coordinator, he was my linebacker coach as well. He taught me so much of the game as a linebacker standpoint and then also from what everybody else does and made it simple for me to understand. That's what made me fall in love with it. And then I got an opportunity to play at Benedict College's Division II. Um, and then, you know, got a little bit of love post-college, you know, from some some arena league teams, a couple of CFL teams. But, you know, I just fell in love with it because of junior college. That's what made me fall in love with the game even more. So, so you know, a lot of people we, – we've talked to a lot of guys who played junior college football, and there's two consistent themes. One, it is the most grueling, hellacious, you know, work schedule and just grind of your life. But two, you don't make it if you don't fall in love with the game. Would you would you echo those two sentiments as far as junior college football? Um, I wouldn't say it depends on the junior college when they say, you know, the work and everything of that nature. Like you work at like at Butler, you work like 
Now, talking to guys who previously went there, you know, they told us when we got there, we had it easier than they did. You know what I'm saying? But um, it, it, it puts – junior college puts in perspective to you a lot more that you really have to love this game because you got to think of the guys that you're around particularly. Like, when I came in, I had a lot of guys that I came in in 2009 when they were freshmen that were ranked in the top 150. Like, one of my close friends, he had a scholarship offer to go to Purdue. Like, my roommate was supposed to go to Kansas State. Like, they were bound, they were like, I had a, another friend who ended up, was at Arkansas, ended up, got red flagged while they found out he was red flagged at Arkansas, came to Butler, didn't play, only did red shirt year and end up at semester going to Iowa State. So, like, you seeing guys like that, you know, around you who are got these Florida offers, got these stuff, it put in perspective, like, hey, yo, you got guys around here who's who's really good. You got to get better and and be able to play. And, and that's what made you fall in love with him. And I think it more so made you fall in love with the grind. Um, but, you know, junior college is different. Like it's it's a different beast. It's a different beast. Like legit different. Um, like at that time frame, particularly compared to now. Like, and it depends on the states that you're playing at too. So, you know, and you talked about the opportunities you you know got the looks at the pro level, but like we alluded to, you're not currently playing the game. You're currently coaching the game, and that is often something that a lot of guys struggle with is recognizing like, hey it might be time for me to hang it up, but, you know, give to the game at a different level. Did did you have any moment where you were like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go a different route to keep being a part of football, or did it just all kind of happen naturally? So, to be honest with you, <laughs> and people look at me crazy when I say this, because of what I came from at Benedict, I honestly didn't want to coach. Like, I honestly never really wanted to coach at the time frame. Um, while playing, you know, you know, I was getting released from teams. You know, teams was taking older guys over me and things of that nature. That guys that they're paying a lot more, more, lot more money to. And it is what it is. It's just the business. Like, it just happens. Um, a girl I was dating at the time frame, you know, she was telling me I should go coach football. And I'm like, I ain't doing it. And, and the funny thing about it was it was like my mom and her kept saying it. Wow, God has kept pulling at me, telling me, hey, yo, I need you out here. Like, I need you coaching. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And then, you know, things happened with that relationship. And then another girl I started dating, um, she, like, I had just got released from a team. And I had I didn't have no phone calls, really, buzzing my agent's phone. My agent wasn't getting no, no, no love. Both of my agents, honestly, wasn't telling me anything. They didn't have anything. So I was, she was like, you know, how about go coach high school just until you get something? I'm like, all right, like, we'll see what it's about. So I started putting some applications in, in 2017, like January, 2017 to see high schools in North Carolina. Cause I'm from North Carolina who have opportunities for me to coach coach ball. So, so I put in that quite a few and then a school named Michael and uh, mayor in North Carolina gave me an opportunity. At first I was originally coming in to be a linebacker coach. Um, and then, uh, it shifted very fastly quickly to me being the defensive coordinator. Like I was the linebacker coach in, in April come like mid May, early June, I'm the D coordinator. Like it, it vastly shifted. And 
for me, honestly, it was something different because, mind you, I had just got through playing ball. I was I've never coached before. So for me to get that type of that type of opportunity, I was like, uh, God, you sure you want me to do this? <laughs> like, this is what you want me to do? And this is the path that he wanted me to go on. Um, and that's what made me a driving force of trying to continue to coach and teach these kids. Because um, at the end of the day, that's what we are. Coaches are teachers. We're teaching the game of football, teaching the game of life, and teaching guys how to become young men um, uh, and upstanding men later on in life. So um, I knew once God kept poking at me, kept telling me, hey, man, I need you coaching. Like, I need you to get my word out through these kids, even through this game of football, you got to get my word out. You got to, you got to start getting at these kids. And that's what made me go to it even more. So, you know, and you, you said you're from North Carolina, got the coaching start at North Carolina high school football. Um, we've done a lot of interviews. This might surprise you. You are our first North Carolina high school, anything. I've never talked to anyone. So I have to do what I do with every state. You know, every state has their reason on why their high school football is better. If you ask anyone from Texas, they'll just say it's because it's Texas. So let, let me ask you, what separates North Carolina high school football from some of these other states we see? Well, the thing is, is that people don't think that high school football in North Carolina is a real thing. Like, it's a legit thing. Like, football in high school in North Carolina is huge. Um, like – because we don't get the notoriety, we get notoriety for basketball because we're known as a basketball state, let's be honest, because you got North Carolina, you got Duke there, right? Well, and a lot of cats come from North Carolina to play basketball. But the thing is, a lot of us don't have to go outside of the state of North Carolina to play college football. Reason being, you got dang near half the ACC in North Carolina. Dang near half of them. Then when we're talking about FCS level, you got – let's say group of five, you got two to three, you got two, three group of five schools. Then you have like four or five FCS schools. And then half the CIAA is in uh, division two is in there. You got a couple of S, uh, SAC division two schools that's in there. Um, division threes, you got, you got quite a bit of, you got like a few ODAC schools. You got a couple of other schools that's division three as well too. So college football in North Carolina is huge. We just don't have to go outside the state. To play college football, we can go out if we decide we want to, but we don't have to because we got all all of that there. So you happen to find out about us either way. Like you got quite a few cats that's in the Hall of Fame that's from North Carolina. Like I always love to throw out Julius Peppers. He's from North Carolina. <laughs> I mean, like you know what I mean. So you got like college high school football in North Carolina is huge, huge. So you know you do the high school coaching, and you know don't stop there, which is crazy because a lot of guys, you know, look at high school coaching as like, you know, man, you got to really love the game to coach in high school because of all of the extra things you're dealing with, but you kept going. And like we alluded to, you're now at Catholic university. So walk me through how you get from North Carolina up to the DMV area coaching at a small D three school like Catholic. Well, you know, after the season, we had we had a decent season um, at McMichael. And, you know, after the season, I got bit by the coaching bug. I got bit by the coaching bug. I just, like, after that year, it made me feel like I was able to play Madden with real-life people and putting people in right spots. I just couldn't get enough of it. I got the adrenaline. And I still got the adrenaline for it that I just wanted to coach full-time. 
And um, I talked to a couple of coaches, you know, they was telling me like some of my mentors, like the running back coach at Northern Illinois, he was, I had seen him at the convention and he was telling me, you know, Hey, you might want to start networking here to try to see if you can get on as a GA somewhere at of that nature. And I was like, okay. So I started going on football school. When I found out about football school at that, my first convention and started doing things of that nature, um, a post from, from, from Catholic university came up. I applied for it, not, not thinking that, all right, you know, this is where I'm going to really get the job at, right? Nobody knows me, so it is what it is. So I applied in, like, April. Not, didn't hear anything. May comes up, you know, mid-May. Still not hearing anything. It's closer towards the end of May. I get a phone call from Coach Gut, my head coach, Coach Gatillas. And he's like, you know, a senior resume. I'm very impressed with your resume. You know, what makes you want to coach like, coach college football? And I told him, I was like, you know, I got bit by the coaching bug. And he started laughing. We started laughing on the phone or whatever the case. And I ended up talking to the defense coordinator at the time frame, Coach Bill Bachman. And we got to talking and everything of that nature. And I came up on, on my interview and seen a place that I've never seen before. I've never heard of Catholic University before at this time frame. And seeing all the opportunity that it had to it with how big the campus was, where it's located in D.C. and things of that nature, I was like, yo, I'm praying I get this job. And got the job maybe 48 hours later. And immediately, I'm taking it. Like, thank you. And I didn't know what I was going to be coaching at the time frame. I knew I was a D coordinator in high school. Um, played defense. Majority of my college – well, all of my college career played defense. I didn't know I was in coaching and then they put me at defensive backs. So I was like, all right, well, you know, a little, I know a little bit, I played it. I know a little bit, but let me learn a little bit more. And that's how I got into Catholic university because of the opportunity that came upon football school, honestly. You know, and you talked about, you know, not knowing about the university really prior to the application. And a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with the school. So if you could tell us in your own words, when you first set foot on campus, you first get to see what Catholic has to offer just from location, you know, setting, geography, all of that. What were your thoughts that went through your mind when you're like, holy cow, like I could coach here? I'm, I I looked at the school like we took it. We took off of um, came from the Dufour Center. We was walking and I was on the campus and the campus is huge. Like this is like a, a, a campus that isn't supposed to be in D.C., like, it's not supposed to be in D.C. how big this is because knowing this it's a city we're in. And I'm like, we can win here with this type of this type of place here. Like, that's why I'm like, yo, we can win, really win here. If I get this opportunity, oh, no, we're going to win here because we can get guys here because of how big the campus is and where we're located in D.C. It's like, oh, no, this has everything you need. And people don't people didn't understand that. I didn't know that until I seen it. You know, and you talked about the first year you're coaching DBs and, you know, you, to remind folks, you were not a guy who grew up loving the game and just in the books studying the game your whole life. You didn't come to it until your senior year of high school. So to be coaching a position you yourself had never played and to come to the game so late, was there a learning curve? How did you acclimate yourself to be able to coach a position you weren't as familiar with? To be honest with you, because of just studying, like – I'm, I'm a student regardless, no matter the student of the game, just a student in general, uh, I like to learn. So um, I literally like, you know, 
started talking to a lot of guys that I knew who played DBs, like a lot, especially like the cats that played with me in college, I would holler at them and ask them, you know, questions about drills and things of that nature, like working on leverage and stuff of that nature. Um, start reading a lot of books and and start piecing things together for for what we got. Now, granted, I came in that mud with with my gun fully loaded, thinking I could throw a lot of drills out, and realize that I can't because you know I gotta I gotta mold my drills to who I have and what we're trying to at a particular stretch that we're trying to have as that particular group. Um, and then, uh, luckily, I had a guy um, that coach DBs in high school in Tampa, Florida, uh, who was working with the corners as well. So he, he helped me along as well too. You know, I just, just was studying a lot of times, just following on, on guys on Twitter who DB coaches and talking to them, you know, just trying to, trying to learn the game a lot more as a DB coach, honestly. You know, and as we alluded to, you're not the offensive line coach, but there was another position in between those two, so talk about what, you know, the process was like transitioning to when you become the defensive line coach. And did you feel a little more at home when you got that one? So, and it's crazy about that position, that situation. So COVID happened around the time frame when I was transitioning. So 2020, I got the word that I was going to be D-line coach. I honestly was in love with it because I got an opportunity to make this, make that group a lot better. Like that group, was a group that we struggled with 2018, you know, 2019, we struggled with it. I was like, I was so happy to get back to there and give all these kids a lot more knowledge. Like granted, a lot of the D linemen, even to this day, they would ask me some little tips and things of that nature. And I'll give them little, some little things or whatever the case. Um, but like, I was like, okay, I get to coach these guys full time. I got, I got a lot of drills that works perfectly for what we do and who we are everything of nature, like, I was excited. COVID happened. And I, I'm like, God told my, we was just about to go to, uh, about to go do spring ball and dang on COVID happened. We got shut down. So I'm literally teaching online, having meetings with my guys on Zoom and stuff and teaching them from there. But it was like kind of a different feel because I can't particularly like reach you in a different manner so you can understand exactly what we're meaning. Like I'm going off of words. I can't really demonstrate. I got to show you off of a video or I got to show you off of something else, like a diagram, but I can't really show you hands-on how to, you know, press and peek, you know what I'm saying? Shed your blocks and things of that nature. And I couldn't do it, but it was a little tough. It was a little tough, but um, able during um, November in 2020, we was able to practice and I was able to get, a couple of my guys and you could see a lot of the difference in those guys and how they moved and how they perceived and looked at football as a D lineman at that time frame, just in two, three weeks of us practicing. So I was, I, I, I was grateful that I got an opportunity to get that little taste of being with the D line again. So. So then you, you, you switch over to the right side of the ball. You, you come to the light, you see, you, you, you see the error of your way being a D lineman and you, you figure it all out and you start coaching the O-line. Um, so I have to ask because a lot of people think, how can a D-lineman coach an O-lineman? And to me, it just makes too much sense to not have a defensive lineman whose sole job was to trip up O-linemen, coach O-linemen. So what was that process like when they come to you and say, hey, we need you on the O-line coaching? Did you feel confident? So at first I did I'm not gonna lie to you. First, I didn't like I, I I can legit tell you like I was like, 
You know, I, I don't know. I literally, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I prayed about that for two to three weeks, probably even more. Like, God, like, I don't know anything about this position. I've never played it. I don't know nothing. Like, is this really what you want me to do? Um, but, you know, the thing, the way I teach my guys, and it, it makes a lot more sense. I teach them from a defensive lineman perspective or, or, or a pass rusher's perspective or a linebacker's perspective. Like, I don't teach them, like, from an offensive lineman mind state. And that I think that's what made us look at football a lot differently, you know what I'm saying, as an offensive line group for these past two seasons. So because of how I teach them, I was like, all right, listen, he's lined up like this. He's going to either do two things. He can't do nothing else. Like, this is the only thing he can do. And my offensive lineman looked at me like, dang, you got a point. All right, cool, yeah. So they see it now. They understand it because of the the way I'm able to teach them from a defensive standpoint versus an offensive standpoint. You know, and you alluded to the last two seasons, you know, you guys have done some things these last two years that, you know, Catholic was accustomed to but hadn't achieved in quite some time, you know. You guys went six and four last year, six and five this year, back to back winning seasons for the first time since 1999 and 2000 seasons. You know, this is a program with a lot of proud tradition. You and I were talking about, you know, you guys have a unique claim as a D3 school. You guys are Orange Bowl champions. You guys beat Ole Miss in an Orange Bowl way back when in 1936. You guys also played in the Sun Bowl against Arizona State and tied that game. So this is a program with a lot of tradition. Can you talk about? what it's like to be a part of a staff and a culture that you guys are rebuilding that proud tradition there at Catholic. So, you know, from the past few years, since being there in 2018 and 2019, we, we were a very young team and we knew we were very young. We hopped in a new conference, didn't know nothing really about the conference. Um, we just knew we was going to have our growing pains. Um, and these past couple of years, what changed the tide was the fact that we gotten older, we've gotten a lot better. And the area of which we recruit is a lot better. It's more fruitful for us of who we are. Um, we're just, we're, we're on the right path of getting to back to where we used to be as Catholic university being ranked in the nation. Like in the nineties, they were late nineties. They was ranked in the nation all the time with uh, Tom Clark and them, his teams and things of that nature. So we're doing the exact same path of getting back to who we used to be. Um, and, you know, and that takes time. You know, we took the first step of getting the opportunity to go to a bowl game. First time getting postseason games was 2008. Um, we got we still got, we got some some more ways to grow. And I think next year with this class that we're bringing in, that's going to tip that scale a lot more. And I, I wouldn't be surprised that we mess around and do some real big things. People look at us like, hold up where they come from when we've been there alone for, for, for a while now. So talk about, you know, that orange bowl, a lot of people, you know, maybe scoff at that, you know, 1936, here's the only D3 school in the country. And we, you know, we've, we've talked about Mount union on this show, you know, North central just winning a national title and the dominance they've had Harden Baylor. They don't have an orange bowl trophy in their history. So talk about how cool it is to be a part of a program that can hold claim to that. And also, you know, maybe the added advantage it helps you guys with to be able to say, this is the standard we hold ourselves to. So it's actually pretty cool, man, um, to 
first off, to have the Orange Bowl committee come onto your campus. <laughs> like, like, like people don't understand how cool that is. You know, as a kid growing up, you've seen the Orange Bowl all the time. This was like one of the premier bowl games, like growing up when, the, when they had the BCS and everything of that nature. Um, it's, it's actually an honor to be the only Division three school to actually have a Orange Bowl title and tie for Sun Bowl title. Like, it's like a lot of people don't understand. Like, it's it's only two Division three schools that got some real, like, like history behind them, us and University of Chicago, because University of Chicago got the, the first Heisman. So it's actually really kind of cool to have this um, um, to show guys and show families, like, you know, when you come to Catholic University, you're not coming to Catholic University, like, and getting a BS program. No, you're getting a really good program that's going to, give you everything they got and they're going to we're going we're trying to get back to the standards that we've already set back in the day so a lot of a lot of families come in they see you know the memorabilia with like the ticket stubs of of the of the of the game and you know the the brochure of the game like they like oh look hold up where what was this no 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 this was the orange bowl we played for the orange bowl championship so and they get to take pictures by the by the by the bowl by the uh the replica trophy and they like, Oh, this is kind of cool. You know, when we get to make jokes of how much it costs for, for fake oranges, <laughs> it, it costs a lot for fake oranges. People don't understand. So, you know, and we talked about the steps you guys have taken these past two years this year, you know, a little bit of a rocky start. It wasn't, you know, exactly what you wanted coming out of the gate, but you played a lot of really tough competition and you end the year on a note that I think is a huge program builder. That's going five and one in conference average over 260 passing yards a game, almost 25 points per game. So can you talk about from an offensive standpoint, being the true, the offensive line coach, you know, the success you guys were able to have, you know, as an offensive unit, the steps you guys are building towards for next year. And, you know, a lot of people look at conference records and say, well, you know, does that really matter on the overall record? But to me, that conference record is indicative of taking that next step as a program. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it all comes down to the guys that we had. You know, they they seen that we were in the trenches and they knew we had to fight our claw our way out. Um, when you got in the conference, we had a third string quarterback start for us, you know, and our offensive coordinator, Coach, Coach Max Driscoll, Great coach, amazing coach, saw a lot of different things that a lot of teams he could exploit in the offense that we run. Um, and we changed up a lot of different things that we normally don't do in the offense that we normally run. So we changed up a lot of different things because of his his intelligence, his smart mind. Like people don't understand how smart this dude is. And we did a lot of different things exploiting some teams. And, and you know, we had some, we got, and to be honest with you, we have a lot of great athletes on our team and, you know, with our, with our quarterback situation that ended up happening to us, and, you know, our third string quarterback was a senior and, you know, just started letting that thing fly, you know, letting it fly. He, he made some really, make some really good checks at times. Uh, a lot of times really he makes some really good checks and uh, put us in really good situations. So that's what helped us become good in conference because of the things that we were able to accomplish because of, to be honest with you, the quarterback and our offensive coordinator, to be honest with you. So, you know, and you talked about the recruiting area that you guys are in and where you're located there in DC. And a lot of people maybe think, you know, well, is that area that bit of a big of a hotbed? Is it that big of an advantage to be a small school in that area? So could you touch on 
how big of a recruiting advantage it is for you guys and why it's such a big advantage. So the thing about it is, is what people, people who, who are not coaches will not understand this. The DMV is a pool of talented kids. Like we're talking Northern Virginia, DC, all of Maryland. It's a pool of talented kids. Every coach in the country comes to the DMV. Every coach. Like I just seen, I just seen, you know, Ohio State's rival Michigan the other day when I was in at somebody, see what I'm saying? Like I seen them at somebody's school, you know, at recruiting. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's a hotbed and people don't understand, like, you know, with us being in DC, we have a great advantage for that particular area alone too. In the DMV is like, you know, you can stay close to home, play some really good football and get a really good education. And you're in the city. You like, to be honest with you, let's be honest as a young man between 18 to 22 years old, you want to go to a college where you can ha- enjoy yourself and have a really good time and still play football. Right. Well, you don't want to go, to the middle of nowhere you got an opportunity to go to dc be in dc stay home you know you might be 45 minutes away from the house you can always go home and get your clothes washed and get a get get a good meal but you know because of us being in dc you got a lot to do so that's that's the selling point because you can use dc as a playground like you should use it and you get you have other schools around the area like georgetown howard american uh udc uh, University of Maryland is literally 20 minutes away from this. So you can go, kids can go and mingle, hop on the Metro and mingle to all schools and go go network with all kids from all different types of schools. That's the that's the plus that we have at Catholic University. You know what I'm saying? So, and then plus, you know, with us playing some really good football these past couple of seasons, yeah, everybody want to be a part of it. And everybody wants to continue to help us grow and become even that much better because they understand we have the, we have the ability to become a national power. So- you know, and you talked about this recruiting class you guys are bringing in and how how vital they're going to be for you guys taking the next step. You know, every university, every coaching staff has a recruiting philosophy as far as areas they're going to prioritize. A lot of the D3 schools here in Ohio, we tend to see a lot of kids from Florida on those rosters. So, you know, you guys have a hotbed of talent right there. So for your guys' coaching philosophy, do you guys like to stay more in that DMV area or how, you know – national does your recruiting get as a d3 school well we we've over the years we've like shrunk our scope so at one point when we first came in we was trying to recruit nationally um we seen that that's kind of hard to do so what we did was we stopped decided to stay in the northeast so we'll recruit you know new york state the city new york will recruit uh new jersey all of new jersey um pennsylvania all of pennsylvania um the DMV where that is as well. And you have North Carolina, we'll go to North Carolina as well. And then Florida, Southern Florida, particularly. Um, and that's more so because, you know, let's, and I'm going to be honest with you. It's we've targeted not based off of, and then, and this is what I don't, I don't want people to take the misconception of the school name of, Oh yeah, you have to be Catholic to go to Catholic university, but you, we tend to get a lot more kids who are who have Catholic backgrounds behind them who end up wanting to come to Catholic University and those areas have Catholic backgrounds behind it. So um, we can target those particular areas and it's, it's been very fruitful for us. It's been very fruitful for us in getting kids from those areas. You know, and you and I talked off the record a lot about, you know, kids who just, you know, they don't always understand 
the history of the university they're applying to or some of the requirements of that university or some of the parameters of that university. We see bigger schools like Northwestern and Stanford that, you know, when they're recruiting kids, they can't just take the same guy that an Ohio state would take because the academic standards are different. You know, Notre Dame has more of that Catholic tradition. So they have different parameters as well. So can you talk about, you know, how you guys are uniquely qualified with the history you guys have, not only as a football program, but as a university to be able to attract and cultivate some of these, you know, really talented football players because of what you offer as a university as a whole. Well, because because of who we are as a as a university academically, you know, we have to have guys who have really good grades. So that puts us in a different tier. Like, you know, when you have better grades, I haven't me personally, I haven't met a kid and I hate to stereotype this way, but I haven't met a kid that have over a three point a three point oh who is a bad kid. I haven't met, I haven't met that, right? Like I just personally haven't met it. So with us, we you have to have over a 3.0 to be able to get into our school, to get some kind of financial aid, get some kind of money to come to our school, right? Um, and we typically have a lot of guys who come to Catholic University who wants to major in some real big things, who want to do some big things and be major in this world of, you know, we got guys who obviously do business. That's, that's huge. We got engineering, we got architecture. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have a lot of division three schools, particularly in our area who meet the standards of a, of a major school who would have these type of things. We have it at a smaller school in a smaller scope and you can, you can get it all at Catholic university as well. So. So I, I have to ask you because, you know, it's always interesting to hear position coaches at a smaller school talk about the grind they go through, the things they have to do and just what people don't realize is we hear these D1 position coaches, you know, as a Buckeye fan, everybody adores Brian Hartline as their wide receivers coach. His grind looks entirely different than yours. So can you take us through a little bit of a day in the life of Catholic University's offensive line coach? Well, I am the offensive line coach, strength conditioning coach, and the equipment coordinator. So I'm over all three of those things. So in season, you know, I, uh, we're working out lifting three days out of the week. I'm in there every morning, you know, like we got workouts at 6 a.m. I'm in there at 5.15. Like I'm before all of the guys and my nights don't end. My nights don't end until about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock because I got to do the, got to do the laundry and things of that nature. So, and I mean, it is what it is. Like this is, this is what I signed up for. This is the job, the duties that I have. Um, and I'm going to do it. I do everything my best ability to make us look good on Saturday. So, um, yeah, it's 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 rough while still watching film, while still, you know, having meetings with my guys, having meetings with the coaching staff, you know, um, getting in the game plan of what we're trying to get done for that week. So it's a it's a it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, and a lot of people don't understand you guys. The season wrapped up not too long ago. But for college coaches, December is normally a very vital part of recruiting because you're going through you're you know, making sure you nourish the relationships with the guys you already got committed who their high school careers just wrapped up, but you're also, you know, trying to find that late diamond in the rough, that late gem. So can you take us through what your December has looked like recruiting wise? Um, I, I, I can only imagine the kind of hectic talking to other coaches. December is, you know, great and awful all at once. Yeah. So, you know, um, as of right now, you know, we just 
pretty much gotten gotten wrapped up with recruiting our particular primary areas. Um, when we get back in January after the convention, we're planning on hitting our secondary areas and stuff of that nature. So um, I've been all in the DMV, just scrounging through different counties, trying to find the next guy. And, you know, we've been finding, been talking to some really good guys, some really talented guys that I think that will come and help us out um, um, and, and do some big things at Catholic University. So once January hit, I mean, I'm hitting New Jersey, Northern Jersey. I'm up there trying to find me some more Jersey cats to come play for us, you know, and, and do some big things for us and everything. So it, the past three, four, three, four weeks has been, <laughs> it's been a grind. It's been a grind. You know, and I have to ask you, cause a lot of guys are always wondering what are coaches looking for? Like, well, you know, why is this coach talking to this guy at my school and not me? So you as a recruiter, when you're looking at, you know, I, I don't know, you know, if you use huddle as much as we do, but, Huddle is, you know, kind of universal for a lot of people. So when you're getting huddle film sent to you or you're breaking down a kid's tape or you're watching, you know, maybe drills, what are you looking for that, you know, tells you, hey, that's a guy that I'm interested in on the field? And then what are some of the off the field things you're looking for for a, does this kid fit our university and our culture? Yeah. So for me particularly, while watching film, I mean, obviously I, I try to recruit up. I'm not going to lie to you. I try to recruit guys who are division two type of guys to come in and play at Catholic university. Cause we're trying to take that next step. Right. Um, if you don't have to tell me that you're a lion, I can see a lion, right. I can see a lion. I might mix up. I might mix up two giraffes at times, but I would never mix up a lion. I know what a lion looks like. Right. So that's particularly why, like if, if you're, it's your position. You're dominating what you're doing at your position and how you do it tells me if I can recruit you or not. Right. Um, but when I go into these schools, this is what makes it that much greater to go into schools and talk to coaches. Cause I like, I was at a school um, the other day and um, it was a kid that I particularly like really good talented kid. Um, I like him, everything that is, people have been offering him, but I'm like, I want to personally meet this kid and see if he fits who we are. I was particularly waiting for the coach to tell me how good of a kid this kid was. Well, it wasn't even the coach. It was the ladies that were allowing people to go into the schools. The, 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 the security ladies was telling me, she was like, yeah, you need to talk to this kid. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a kid that's on my list. She was like, he's an amazing kid, everything. And like, pump this kid up. And I'm like, I love to hear that because a coach can tell me how great a kid is, but if other people outside of the football program can tell me how great and upstanding a young man that, that he is, I have to have him because what we're, what we're doing, we're trying to have guys who are leaders generally are leaders. Like granted, you know, it sounds weird because you get to a football locker room, it's over hundred guys in the football locker room. Not everybody can be a chief. Right. you got too many chiefs, not enough Indians, but that's not the case. Everybody knows like in, in a pack of lions, the, 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 the main one, everybody's going to shut up and listen to. We can all go separate and be our own guy. But when we all come together, this one guy, he's the he's the guy he's going to say and do whatever it is. We're going to follow suit. And that's the type of guys that we want. We want guys to be leaders outside of football as long as just, you know, because when when you leave outside of those that gridiron you got catholic university stuff on you got to protect the brand you got to be a leader and be able to protect the brand 
show who we are. And that's what type of guys that we recruit to bring in the Catholic diversity is being really humble guys, really good guys at Catholic diversity. So, you know, and a lot of guys, you know, you yourself, you played basketball, you played football, you were a multi-sport guy. And there's, there's a divide on this, especially in the culture of AAU and all these, you know, different we have all these camps we have these exposure camps clinics and all that some guys are like oh i just need to focus on one sport one sport only to perfect my craft but when you talk to coaches especially line line coaches they're like hey i like wrestlers i like to see what they're doing on the wrestling mat some coaches are like i want a basketball player because this game is becoming more space and pace and a lot of basketball qualities translate to the football field so where do you fall on that spectrum? Do you like the multi-sport guys a little more? And if so, you know, at the positions you recruit, how do those different sports translate so well to the football field? So I like multi-sport kids, period. And particularly like offensive linemen. I, 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 it's three sports that I would, if I, if I, if a kid plays, I'm truly sold on the kid. I'm love the kid. If he plays basketball, offensive lineman plays basketball, particularly my tackles. If tackles play play basketball, I'm in love. Um, wrestling, obviously, you know, you gotta, you know, what I'm saying, let's be honest. And then track. If I can find, if I find offensive linemen who are throwers and discus and do discus, like that, that impresses me because your footwork. It takes a lot of footwork, and in all three of those or those sports, footwork is very imperative, and people don't understand it. And that's why I fall in love with either three of those sports. If even if you only do, let's say, football and basketball, cool, I love it. You do football, let's say, you do football, basketball, and track. Oh, you got me sold. You got me sold because your footwork is great. That's that's something that we we can build off of everything else from there. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, and we, we we alluded to Twitter a little bit. Twitter has changed the game. Social media has changed the recruiting game. Um, where do you fall on the social media recruiting spectrum and how big of a weapon has social media become for college coaches in the recruiting game? Man, listen, like recruiting on Twitter is like it can it can it can be great, it can be fruitful if you know how to use it, right? If you know how to go search for the guys and things of the nature, it's very fruitful. I go I go search for guys on Twitter all day, every day, seeing if I can find another guy, a random guy that a lot of people don't know about. See if see if he because you know I'm just trying to see if he posts his highlight tape, see if he's really good. And I'm like, okay, depending on the talent level he's playing, that's why I make my determination from there. Um, but yeah, man, if you know how to manipulate it right, the right way, I don't mean to use the word manipulation, but I mean, at the end of the day, like you got, like, you have to be able to manipulate the app alone. Like, and, and that's more so because of the, 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 the way it's set up and everything like that. But if you know how to use it, it's a huge tool, huge tool. Cause you find so many kids from all over. Well, when you're looking at a Twitter bio, because I mean, I can only imagine how many kids are, you know. On, you know, when you put out a happy holidays post later, I'm sure you're going to get about 40 kids from random towns that we didn't even know existed, letting you know, Hey coach, look at my film. So when you're getting those messages, what are you looking for maybe in a kid's bio or, you know, on a kid's highlight film that tells you like, Hey, that's a red flag right away. I'm not even like, I'm not entertaining this any further. The, the main thing for me, because I'm at a high academic institution is the GPA. If you put 3.0, it ain't a 3.0. It's legit under a 3.0. 
if you can give me specifics, if you tell me a three, 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 four, maybe a a, a three point five seven eight, I'm gonna believe that 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 there is gonna attract me more to you. But if you don't have your GPA on there, that means you're hiding your GPA. I can't I can't do a person who hides a GPA. And if you have a three point on your as a GPA listed on your bio, I don't believe you. So you know, with the huddle film too, I've I've heard coaches fall on different spectrums on like automatic red flags i won't watch more than a minute of this do you have any things that you're like dude if you have this in your huddle film i'm sorry but i'm just you're not for our team and our institution um it depends on the position right like i've seen quite a few dbs post videos of catching tackles from behind from across the field. That's cool. That's fine. You show me you hustle, but that don't, that don't make no, never mind. Um, but other than that, I don't really have too much other things that like it's a turn off a red flag for me from, from huddle films. Um, I, I enjoy watching huddle films. Like the one thing that is very impressive, and this is how I know a lot of coaches been in guys um, helping guys with their huddle films and creating their highlights is by them breaking it down and making making subtext to oh this is me playing defense this is me playing offense this is me playing kick return punt return like breaking it down that way that like like it's chapters that's and that's impressive to me that tells me a coach has been there helping them do it or they've done it for them for the kids so that's that's the that's one thing that's huge that I like to see though you know, and you've been a high school coach, you're now a college coach, you know, so you have the unique perspective to give this insight. You know, we see a lot of kids who maybe, you know, don't treat their high school coaches the greatest because they know, hey, I'm uber talented and my talent will, I don't need this high school coach to help me, you know, but a lot of people don't understand how imperative the high school coach is to the recruiting process. So can you shed some light on just how important the high school coaches are to the recruiting process for you as a college coach being the recruiter because you know um when you go talk to a high school coach the coaches that i've encountered that i personally have in my cell phone that i know they have been really good coaches and they have they have helped me out quite a bit in telling me what kid to talk to what kid not to talk to and they would tell me the reasons being and keep it honest with me that nah, this kid ain't no good kid. Like he's this type of kid, that type of kid. He's a good player, but he's this type of kid, that type of kid. And, and and with treating high school coaches bad when you know you need you don't know who you're gonna need. You burning bridges. Don't burn your bridges because you don't know who you need at the end of the day. Um, that shows a lot. You know what I'm saying? When a coach can legit tell me, like, nah, you don't want that kid. Like you don't want him. I'm like, okay. I take your word for it because you coaching. You know, and one thing, you know, that I think a lot of people don't understand is college each season brings different challenges. So we've talked about what you guys have built off of these last two years and reestablishing the success that Catholic university has had two straight winning seasons. So what is the goal from a coaching staff and from a team standpoint, as you guys, you know, get, you know, gear up for the 2023 season, you know, it's crazy to say, but spring practice is, you know, it, it's sneaking up on us. So what, what is your guys is, you know, what are we, what's Catholic university preparing for this upcoming season? Well, we're preparing to jump into a whole new conference as is anyway. 
we're no longer playing in a a New England based uh, conference. So we're playing in a in a Pennsylvania based conference. So getting to really know the teams that we're playing against is a big challenge. I mean, so we're 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 trying to get to know who who we're playing against and try to figure out who they are. Obviously, we can't get no film right now, so we're trying to, you know, figure something out. Like, um, but it's 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 very it's 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 different. Go around this year, um, our guys know that we're going in the spring ball. We'll really win the workouts, getting bigger and getting faster um, than we were last year. And guys, our guys understand they bought in. You know, these past three weeks, four weeks, I haven't been able to get in the weight room with them because of. You know, I've been out recruiting, so they've been going to the gym and working out them by themselves. Like, I just talked to a couple of my guys, and they was like, yeah, we all have been in the the other the other uh, athletic facility working out. It looked like the Dufour Center with all of us in there working out as is. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. I'm like, that's what I like to hear. So um, our guys understand that it's about getting better, and then we're trying to bring our freshman guys that we got this year up to speed now when it comes to spring ball. Uh, understanding our concepts a lot more in depth and understanding what we do and why we do what we do as a, as a offense and a defense. Um, so, you know, it's going, it brings its own challenges, you know, because of jumping into a new conference, you know, after figuring out a, a conference that we were in for five years now jumping into something new. So, you know, and your guys' coaching staff is truly a unique coaching staff to see at a D three level, you guys have a lot of guys with a lot of experience, a lot of guys with a lot of experience at big schools, you know, household name type schools, not bouncing around. It's, you know, maybe schools people don't know about, but a lot of D one experience, a lot of high quality football experience. So talk about the coaching that guys are getting there at Catholic university and how you guys as a staff, as a whole, you know, really bring a different perspective and help, you know, add a, you know, extra advantage to, what you guys are able to do there on the field on Saturdays. Yeah. Like, you know, you got, you got quite a few guys on our, on our staff who's done some huge things at some, at some bigger schools. Like obviously like my, my offensive coordinator, he's coached at several division one schools, our special teams coordinator slash wide receiver coach coached at several division one schools. Our tight ends coach coached at a, t- a couple of division one schools as well too. They, they give them from the coaching from a division one aspect, you know what I'm saying? Um, to make them feel as if this is legit college football. And we want our guys to understand this is college football. This isn't, you know, the old Catholic university where, you know, we had to sing and, you know, sing in circles, holding hands and sing Kumbaya and stuff like that. They know that we, we come in here and we, they're getting a, a grade A, you know, coaching experience from us um, and getting everything we got. They know we're going to give them everything we got and and the knowledge that we have from from different aspects you know you got like myself like i said i played a little bit professional so i got a different perspective um our defense coordinator he's done played at division one and coached a couple of division one schools and uh some division twos i had coached and coached at a few division twos in the ia schools so you know they they see that we've been at levels of scholarship football and they know that they're going to get some really good some really good education about football alone. So, you know, on this show, we love to give advice to high school athletes. And, you know, you being a college coach, obviously that's what you do day in and day out. So, I, 
you have a unique perspective though on a lot of things. So I want to ask you first to give advice to maybe the kid who is in that D1 or you know D1 or none mentality. They feel that the only course of action is D1. They want to go to the league and they don't think they can get to the league if they don't go D1. What, what would you tell that kid about that mindset and maybe why that's a faulty way of thinking? I think I would tell them, you know, don't think that way more so because, yeah, you can go Division One, but you can go to Division One and sit the pine. You got quite a few cats that play at Clemson, Alabama, Oregon, this place like that, that aren't in the NFL. They are working a regular nine-to-five job, you know, and things of that nature. You can go somewhere smaller. If that means going to a Division three school, going to a Division two school, you know, you can you can go there and be a, a big fish in a small pond, and you're going to get seen. Like, NFL scouts are coming through every place. They come through every place. Like, I remember seeing them when I was playing Division two. We would have several – NFL scouts come through and talk to us, you know, shake my hand and shake a couple of my other teammates' hand um, and things of that nature throughout the season and after season, off, uh, during the offseason. So you can go anywhere. You can go to the league from anywhere. It just all depends on how you show it and how you dominate the level that you're at. And, you know, the second part I'd like, you know, like for you to give advice on is more the non-football route. Kids, you know, oftentimes, especially at the high school level, we never think what we're doing right now is going to end. We never think that in high school that where we're at, life's going to be different in 20 years. A lot of guys don't understand your football career is over before you even realized it started. So if you could talk to a kid who's maybe going through the recruiting process right now and is, you know, stuck on the fact that, hey, I'm going to play football for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. What would you tell that kid about, you know, there's life after football and when they're making decisions, make sure they're making the rest of their life type decisions. Yeah. So like I tell these guys that I recruit now and been recruiting over these past few years is that, you know, go somewhere that your degree means something. Um, Because once your playing career is over with, you got to hang your hat on that degree and that degree should be able to take you places. You know, um, we see it all the time where you got guys who just choosing places off of a four year decision, a temporary decision versus a 40 year decision, which is a, a long term decision. Um, and make a long-term decision. Don't make a short-term decision. Make a decision that benefits not just you, but your future family and your future family family. You know what I'm saying? So that that there makes a difference. Coach, last question for you. For folks who maybe haven't followed you know, Catholic University football for a few years, maybe folks who are wondering, well, if I tune in next year, what am I getting? What, what, what can you tell people to expect from Catholic University football in 2023? You're going to get a hard-nosed, gritty football program um, with a lot of talented guys. We've gotten guys who are who've been ranked in, in the region these past few years. We you're going to see all-conference guys. You're going to see a lot of touchdowns, uh, a lot of stops. Um, we got some very talented guys. So you know, come check us out in BC. Or watch out, watch us on the two. Watch, watch what we do. Watch what we do in the, in the league that we're going to this year. Coach, I've had an absolute blast having you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on here, man. You are more than welcome, coaching folks. That was Coach Brandon Beach, offensive line coach from Catholic University. But that's all we got for you guys this time. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Thank you.